Greetings and welcome everyone to the very first of our uh, uh, official Creative Outlet Gaming Birthday Extravaganza episodes. I have to say, things aren't going exactly uh, uh, in the order that I planned them to go here. I am actually releasing, of all the episodes, the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 30th Anniversary episode first, which probably seems a little bit weird. Uh, I thought I would do them perhaps in the chronological order in which I... Uh, um, recorded the episodes, but I decided when I was looking, because, you know, kind of the idea of these intros here for these uh, uh, um, fall episodes is that I'm trying to catch up on some potential news that has happened uh, for these topics. But before, you know, before it, I, I get into a little bit more of like why I picked uh, Sonic first out of all of the topics and uh, uh, what exactly is going to be happening in this episode, I want to establish a few things. So of course, Hey, if you're uh, watching the video, you can see we are officially in the uh, um, the school uh, college studio here, uh, the official uh, new Brandon uh, dorm here, right? So uh, uh, at this point, I'm going to be just showing a little bit of a, not quite a studio tour, but uh, just a little video of like, hey, here's what my, uh, uh, my dormitory looks like. This is where we're, uh, I'm just recording all these intros here. Um, so if, if you're not aware, if you haven't been following any of the, the update videos on the uh, Creative Outlet podcast uh, YouTube channel, that's where uh, I have a lot of the, uh, that's where I just put all the little updates, just talking about where things are going and the Creative Outlet bonus is there and any other little uh, things that come up. So uh, all of the topics for this have already been pre-recorded back at home because I am just celebrating the various uh, anniversaries uh, happening this year in gaming, at least as far as they're relevant to me. Um, and I'm just going to be recording a bunch of these intros here in the last couple of days that I have when I'm here before classes start. Classes start for me on uh, the 8th of September. I'm recording this on uh, September 5th. So it's, there's going to be a few uh, intros of me in this nice uh, ukulele uh, Rextro's Arcade shirt from uh, uh, Fan Gamer. Just, you know, probably three or four today. I'm probably going to do a couple tomorrow as well uh, so I can uh, fully render and upload these today. Of course, one of the problems being in the uh, college studio is we are much more subject to sound without people really caring. So uh, the, I've already heard some like hammering happening outside and people just, you know, opening and closing their doors and we're just kind of going to have to bear along with that. Fortunately, these aren't obviously super long uh, recordings here that we're doing, so, or rather that I'm doing, so I'm, I'm hoping we're not going to catch a ton of that. Um, in fact, I think I just, there's the hammer. I'm going to try uh, cutting it out, at least in the uh, audio. Unfortunately, I can just cut the audio and realign it with the video, uh, especially because uh, these are going to be fully re-rendered and edited uh, using uh, Premiere. Mo you know, the, the, the process I went through, this was basically record the main segments of which all of the episodes are going to follow a generally same overview, except for two here, um, where we have a talk about like an overview history, my experiences with the subject of the episode, uh, talk about the futures. That tends to be, I've found the shortest part um, because it's either like unclear, some things are clear and we know what's happening. Uh, there's definitely some speculation on my part for some of them. Uh, and uh, then we have some sort of special topic. I'll, uh, like I said, I'll delineate what that is specifically for this uh, Sonic focused episode here uh, shortly. Uh, so I think that covers most of what I need. I'm sure uh, the footage of the uh, 
studio tours on it. But you know, there's some neat stuff. I still have to finish hanging up a couple of things. So I'm sure uh, when I'm done with these and I'm just waiting for a bunch of videos to render, I'm just going to hang up the remaining signs using a, you know, a hammer myself. <laughs> I got a couple more uh, signs above me right in front of me that I need to put up. Uh, I have a, a Tom and Jerry sign up there that you should have seen in the, uh, the the little tour here, but I have a Bugs and Daffy to go with it. Uh, somewhere up here, there's going to be an, an on-air sign. I actually had that in the original uh, dorm studio here, but um, I, I just haven't hung that up yet. We were having trouble yesterday with some uh, nails just constantly bending, so uh, I just haven't finished those. Um, so, and... Uh, Let's see, is there anything anything else that I want to cover here? I just see, I just I figured I didn't have a ton to say about any news because there isn't a ton of Sonic news that's come out since uh, the episode released. I thought I would just leave this as the you know we'll do this as the first one that way I can just give this intro we this intro to the intros of uh, the Creative Outlet Gaming Birthday Extravaganza. Uh, as far as other plans I uh, have for the year, I haven't fully. Uh, uh, cleared those out yet. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be doing any extra podcasty things. If I do, uh, it's probably going to be just audio, or if I'm including the video, it's going to be more like uh, going back to the very first episode of uh, the COP, where it's like, I'm just I'm not going to really bother with the B-roll, uh, because that takes up a lot of time, and obviously I'm going to be Mr. Super Busy uh, taking 18 or so credits here. Uh, <laughs> so I've got plenty plenty on my plate, which is why I'm trying to get this all done now as well. Uh, so yes, I think that's going to cover what I have to say. If I think of anything else, I mean, you know, there's uh, six more intros I have to record. In fact, I still have to finish editing one uh, normal full part of an, ep of, uh, uh, an episode here. Uh, so uh, I think... I'm uh, ready to talk about uh, Sonic here then, at least as far as any new uh, newsy things is considered. So I just have some uh, some some info pulled up on my uh, cellular device here. Actually, we're we're uh, I'm recording this. I don't think even a week after uh, Sonic Colors Ultimate has released. So that was uh, one of the games uh, that I talked about actually that I talk about in this episode because when I talk about the future of Sonic I talk about because this is this is at the time uh there was uh the release there was the uh Sonic Central presentation so that uh talked about like here's a bunch of new Sonic games coming out and here's what all they're gonna they're gonna look like and uh what they what exactly they're like uh and one of the games talked about was a remake of Sonic Colors on the Wii um and so that so the actual game isn't technically fully out yet. It's just the uh, digital deluxe um, release. So that version of the game is, I mean, it's the same as the retail product. It's, it is just the retail product. But one of the benefits of getting the digital deluxe release is that you got it. I don't remember if it was a week early or a few days early, uh, but it sounds like, especially on the Switch version, we're seeing... Uh, people running into a ton of bugs. Uh, people are talking about lots of graphical glitches, some that could potentially cause seizures. Of course, that's very uh, <laughs> problematic. 
And, uh, but at the same time, like this uh, particular article I'm uh, seeing here on uh, Nintendo Life about it, let's be fair, uh, some footage of the game is apparently coming from emulators and hacked switches, so that certainly could be contributing to uh, the issues uh, as far as, but it, it, it just, it sounds like um, there is, is a decent bit of uh, bugginess coming to the game, but um, as you can imagine, like I said, these are folks who are getting the game early. Uh, so you can imagine that, uh, there's probably, as much as I'm not a fan of this practice, there's probably going to be a day one patch, uh, coming for Sonic Colors Ultimate when it actually is supposed to formally, uh, release here, uh, shortly. I don't ex know the exact date off the top of my head, but I know it's a couple days here in, uh, September when it comes out, maybe next week. Uh, I wish I did know it off the top of my head, because then I could just say, September, bam, this is when the game's gonna be out, but I just, I don't know. Um, so that, uh, I just, I'd hope the team that actually handled the uh, re-release, this is, so this isn't actually Sonic Team or Sega themselves who made it, this is uh, uh, a team named Blind Squirrel Games. I hope they just get that fixed up, maybe work on seeing if you could do a performance mode for the Switch version, because it is also locked to 30 frames per second. Now, I'm pretty sure the Wii version was also 30 frames, but I could be incorrect on that. I, uh, admittedly, I don't know for sure, um, but certainly the other, the PS4 and the Xbox One versions, and of course the inevitable next-gen versions, uh, appear to be at 60 frames per second, and I'm sure Switch owners would love to have a 60 frames per second uh, version of Sonic Colors as well. Uh, so, uh, I think we're about ready to just roll in, go, go back in time to where I uh, recorded this, uh, uh, these segments for the, uh, Sonic, uh, episode. Like I said, we're gonna have an overview of the Sonic series. This is probably gonna be the longest episode of the bunch, actually, so maybe it's a good, good place to start with something nice and beefy, um, I'm going to have that overview talking about all of the games that I have played, that I've experienced to one extent or another. Uh, we're going to talk about the future of the Sonic series, which I guess in some ways is the present with Sonic Colors Ultimate out, but in some ways is still the future with uh, projects like Sonic Prime and, uh, um, goodness, Sonic Origins not yet released. Uh, but those, those are going to be coming soon, and who knows, by the time you've seen this, this could be years and years and years in the past. And uh, finally, we have our special topic of the episode, which is uh, what should the Sonic series take from fan games? I'm sure many people, if, they, if you're watching this, are probably into Sonic the Hedgehog, and fan games are a large part of the uh, culture surrounding the series. Uh, fan work is very important. In fact, I bring up when I talk about Sonic Forces, it is pretty much the originator of original character Do Not Steal. It's, it's you know, fan work is just a huge thing for this series. Uh, I also want to point out, I uh, before we go into this, I do like to make some corrections based on uh, things that I might have missed or just uh, uh, were true at the time and are not the same anymore. Um, but I do know at some point uh, that when I'm talking about the classic games in our overview, uh, that Some Call Me Johnny has really old classic reviews of the classic Sonic games. Uh, and that is still true, but it uh, seems that recently he has released new reviews of all of those games. So uh, both the old reviews and his, like, almost, if it's not almost, it's 
certainly 10-year-old uh, Super Gaming Brothers style is still out there, um, but he also has new, like, longer reviews of each of the uh, classic Sonic games just released over the summer as well. I'm not going to be link linking to any of that stuff here because they're pretty popular videos. I'm, I would imagine they're fairly easy to find. Um, but uh, with that all said, I'm just going to let you folks go back in time and enjoy uh, the Creative Outlet Gaming Birthday Extravaganza celebrating the 30th anniversary of Sonic the Hedgehog. Enjoy, everyone. <laughs> So today we're talking about Sonic the Hedgehog, and um, I suppose I have to get a couple of disclaimers out of the way. So I, first off, I can't believe I don't own any Sonic-related shirts, so I hope my my uh, Freedom Planet Carol shirt is a sufficient uh, substitute for the fact that I don't have any uh, Sonic shirts. And then, of course, the other disclaimer... I have, um, is we're talking about a series here that's 30 years old. There's only one series we're going to be talking about that's older, and even that one has fewer games. Like if, um, the Animal Crossing New Horizons segment, the one where I did the direct felt very long, this whole piece is going to be, <laughs> uh, super duper long. And even then, that's with me not doing an overview of every single game in the Sonic the Hedgehog series, because there's, you know, there's a little over a hundred games, if you include all all like even the little Java mobile games from Japan and all the compilations. But even if you just get rid of all those, you're still only dropping down to like 75 games. And that's a lot of games. Um, and like with the console episodes, I just, I, I want to discuss the games that I've played. Uh, if only because A, there's so many and B, I, it's really hard for me to describe an opinion on a game that I have not played or, or maybe barely played um, at all. And I, I, I own a good few more uh, than the ones that I've actually put in the console. But it's it's only really fair to those games that I don't really talk about them because I don't know them very well. Um, and now I can't pretend like there's not a lot we're going to be skipping. I mean, we're going to be skipping Sonic Adventure 2, which is possibly going to be considered a sin. Um, but, you know... I think we should just look at this as an opportunity uh, to look at something as having a glass half full mindset, because that just means that in five years, in 2026, you know, we can revisit this, and then, you know, maybe maybe I'll have some opinions on Sonic Adventure 2. I don't want to make any, any guarantees, but that's certainly more possible. Um, so even with this potentially lopsided discussion, I hope I hope that everyone still feels good and sitting down and um, joining me on this uh, jolly jaunt of a journey. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I say this and I still realize we're still going to be talking about like 20 games and uh, that's a lot. And well, hey, to be fair, I guess a lot of them are some of the most iconic Sonic titles. So we may as well just get right into things, starting with the original Sonic the Hedgehog from 1991, released on the Sega Genesis. And I can't, I can't even, you know, just talk about like, well, what, what do I think about the game without actually talking about what is the game? How did it come to be? So Sonic the Hedgehog is a fast-paced uh, 2D platformer. A lot of people describe it as momentum-based. I think there is some truth to that. Of course, there are certain mechanics that turn it into being less momentum-based, uh, if you consider something like the spin dash. 
Unlike something like a Mario game or a Mega Man game, uh, the levels are not usually flat and blocky. I, I would certainly describe uh, a lot of Mega Man levels like that and really super classic Mario levels. Um, but instead, a level in Sonic the Hedgehog, particularly a, a 2D game, is going to have round, curved surfaces. They're literally going to be loop-de-loops. And the whole idea behind that is just you want to make it easier to run faster. And it was created in 1991 exclusively for the Sega Genesis, but nowadays you can probably open up your uh, smart fridge and be able to play it. Okay, that's not true. I don't think it's on a smart fridge. And if it is, that's pretty crazy. But, you know, you can play the 16-bit Genesis Sonic on the Sega Genesis, the Sega Saturn, there's probably a version on the Dreamcast, uh, Game Boy Advance, although that one's terrible, DS, uh, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, like I said, just about every console and piece of hardware you can imagine probably has a version of Sonic the Hedgehog and the Sega Genesis for it, so if you can't find it, then you must own, like, no technology. But then again, that would probably mean you're not listening to this, and I know you're listening to this because I'm talking to you, uh, indiscriminate uh, person out there who's listening. Um, the actual cra uh, character of Sonic the Hedgehog was created in uh, an internal competition at Sega. Uh, sorry, artists, a bunch of artists just submitted uh, a bunch of different drawings, and one of them was the character that we would all know and love, this blue beautiful drawing of Mr. Needlemouse. And he would eventually end up being Sonic the Hedgehog because that game, that uh, uh, name is a terrible name. Um, another drawing that was submitted was one of a bald, sort of Teddy Roosevelt-looking guy, and he would end up being the basis for Dr. Robotnik, or as we now know him and as the uh, Japanese players always knew him as Dr. Eggman. And... Uh, you know, why wouldn't he be shaped if he's, if he's like some fat guy who's shaped like an egg, why shouldn't he be known as Eggman? You know, that's my opinion. I, I have always kind of thought of him as, as Eggman. But then again, of course, I also, uh, was not there during the mid to late 90s where he was merely known as Dr. Robotnik. And of course, the two people who are most credited for this original Sega Genesis game are Yuji Naka and Naoto Oshima. And of course, you know, they're another key developer in the Sonic series. I'm not really going to talk about these people much, but I just think it's good to know these names. Um, Takashi Izuka would join Sonic Team during um, Sonic the Hedgehog 3's development, and now he's just been kind of the head of uh, Sonic Team since those two, Yuji Naka and uh, Naoto Oshima, left. Um, since they've gone ahead and, and worked on other projects at other companies with varying results, even if some of those uh, projects I are ones that I do like. And, you know, I think one of the great things about Sonic the Hedgehog, the for sure the original trilogy, is if you really wanted to, you could play all of these Genesis games on an Atari 2600 controller. And, you know, in fact, you can, since uh, both the Genesis controller and the Atari controller use the same 9-pin connector. So, uh, you know, not only are you able to just play it uh, Sonic because it has the same connector as the Atari 2600, but every Genesis game only uses one button. And how many buttons are on the Atari 2600 controller? One. So, you know, uh, aside from the D-pad, of course, I guess you could think of that as a few buttons, uh, y y really you just need that, that joystick and that one button and you could play the game successfully. 
and you know that's even a mindset you can see in um, that, that that level of simplicity is something you can see in a lot of, lot of other uh, games by Yuji Naka. Of course, Balan Wonderworld comes to mind uh, for better or for worse. Uh, <laughs> uh, in some ways, that 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 level of just needing essentially an arcade layout of just a stick and a button makes the game very accessible and in other ways of course it would be nice to have other functions and again there of course i'm primarily calling out uh bale and wonder world here even though i'm i am admittedly less critical of the game but we can talk about that uh, uh another time potentially later this year or next year and um you know sonic the hedgehog is uh one of and of course the other games in the series on the genesis they really don't need more than one button and in fact um you know some of the other functions that we'll be talking about in later games here are accomplished in an almost smash brothers like style use of hey let's just use these directions on the d-pad but like i said we can talk about like the spin dash and some of those other moves um for the discussion of Sonic 2 and beyond, because in just the original Genesis Sonic the Hedgehog, all you had, all you did with the one button was jump, and all you did with the D-pad was move or crouch or look up. Um, so you didn't really have all of that functions. And if, you know, if there's anything that I can praise Sonic 1 for, it's trying to be a faster game. Now, I, I would not call myself a speedrunner. I don't think I really have the... The desire or the time or probably even the skill to want to do that sort of thing but if there's anything i also know it's that i hate moving slowly in my games like any game with a run button i'm i'm just i'm always holding it down no questions asked it's just i cannot walk in my games um but if there are a few gripes i have with um, the original Genesis Sonic, and, you know, the, the future games do try to solve this a bit. There's one major, major, major flaw that, um, wouldn't be a problem in other platformers, but is a very major, extreme problem in Sonic the Hedgehog, and it's that running into enemies causes touch damage. And again, that doesn't sound bad considering the health system in these games revolves around the rings, your 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 coin equivalent, and you know, the health system is generous and that it's like as long as you have a ring on you, you can basically take as many hits as possible. Um plus when you you jump around, you enter the ball form and that is um the form that allows you to destroy enemies. Um of course, then you can still be hit by projectiles. It really doesn't matter that much. But really, the bad part about touch damage is it kills your momentum. And, you know, if you are, like, even anywhere near, like, a slope you have to go up, you have, like, it just, it, it ruins everything because now you have to, like, slowly plod backward to where, like, a little area before and then try to gain speed and hope you proceed up that slope because, oh no, maybe you realize you didn't go back far enough after trying to go up and up uh, uh, that slope. And like I said, there are future games that make attempts to solve this problem, but yeah, as far as I'm concerned, every uh, Genesis Sonic game has touch damage as just a plague on the experience. And, you know, I don't, 
I don't really want this to turn into a review of every single game. Um, in fact, if like if you want a a very truly comprehensive review of uh, the Genesis Sonic games, I do uh, suggest looking elsewhere. Whether it's, um, I mean, you know, some call me Johnny Johnny's reviews are a little they're they're, they're definitely older. I am still a fan of. Um, uh, Exo Paradigm Gamers reviews of the classic series, and uh, uh, trust me, I will continue sharing things I like and the gripes that I have with other games as we continue going along. Um, but I think I shared, like, by far my biggest issue with uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 1 just by bringing that up. Um, and I would I would just say there's other than like one critical topic that I'll be getting into that I have strong opinions on much like uh, EXO does, but we can we can save that until uh, moving on to uh, that subtopic under this particular game. So let's talk about uh, something else here. Let's shift gears and talk about the stages. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog does not actually have that many zones. Uh, there's Green Hill Zone. There's Marble Zone. Uh, let's see, there's Spring Yard Zone, Labyrinth Zone, Starlight Zone, um, Scrap Brain Zone, and then there's Final Zone. These are all the places where you're going to go to during your quest to defeat the evil Dr. Robotnik and save the animals that he's captured and his robots. Uh, well, at least to, to, to power the robots. And, you know, that plot i'm just gonna put it out there stays about the same for the next couple of games aside from like a few changes you know in, in, in sonic the hedgehog 2 uh robotnik builds the death egg and wants to take over the world with it and then in sonic 3 and knuckles he's basically just trying to rebuild the death egg um after it was taken down in sonic the hedgehog 2 and then in Sonic CD, you have like a slightly different plot with him trying to to to, to chain Little Planet to the Earth. But we we can talk about those plots uh, more in their respective games. But that that that's a general uh, general gist. And um, I don't know. I guess I may as well talk about that remaining elephant in the room for me with the original Sonic the Hedgehog. And it's those stupid. Oh, I hate the special stages. But God. They're just so bad. And the hard part about talking about the special stages is that they're never the same in any Sonic game. Like, it's it, it never just like, oh, I can expect a just a slightly different layout of something I've already done in this game. It's always going to be something different. And in the case of Sonic 1, it's essentially like, it's like a weird, like, ball drop sort of deal where... Sonic is thrust into this zone where he's like he has to navigate this maze to get to a Chaos Emerald and eventually try to break through this gem barrier to it. And but and that that, that sounds fine, but the stage itself is constantly rotating, and the Genesis in particular has a very very terrible uh, frame rate for that sort of thing. So I just ugh. I mean, getting to a special stage is already tough enough, and it, it really shouldn't be on paper, because all you have to do is bring 50 rings to the end of the stage and jump in uh, the giant ring after the goal, but uh, with the health system being what it is, uh, that's a lot easier said than done. So you can kind of see how that touch damage and special stage system, those issues kind of compound upon each other, and uh, really irritates me. But... um. 
you know, in, in short, I guess, that's uh, a major reason why I would recommend playing the uh, mobile port of Sonic the Hedgehog done by Christian Whitehead. And, I mean, really the main improvement with the special stages there is, plain and simple, they don't run like a slideshow. <laughs> um, and it makes it a lot easier to try to get the Chaos Emeralds there. But if you, again, if you really want a longer opinion on the problems with special stages, um, I will uh, direct you again to Exo's videos, or actually, he, I think he has a video that's just an editorial of like, here are the problems with every single Genesis special stage, so that's gonna be, that'll be a really good one if you're uh, strongly opinionated on the special stages as well, just like I am. And I mean, you know, I, I can just really say the same sort of things that he would say, um, but, you know, I just, I think he says them in a better way, so I, I again, I would, uh, a movie over there and I mean, you know I kind of already said them but he he just says things in greater detail because it is he, he actually is doing a, a full review of the game so please feel free to check that video out but um, make sure you should come back here because there's no reason to stop the podcast right now uh, because we're gonna we're just gonna keep going through these games and I know there's a little bit of a another elephant in the room that I haven't discussed here which is yes there actually is an 8-bit version of Sonic 1 but I have no experience with that game, either the Master System version or the um, Sega Game Gear version of that game. I just, I, I could have picked it up on the uh, Nintendo 3DS's Virtual Console, but I just, I never got around to it. Um, but it seems like it could be an interesting, fun uh, version of Sonic the Hedgehog, and who knows, I, I actually might like that one more than the Genesis version, I'm really not sure. Uh, and then there's also an 8-bit version of the next game we're going to be talking about, which is Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which I hear is, like, just really, really, really hard. <laughs> so in some ways, I'm glad that I haven't played that one, because it might just be a gigantic pain to play. Um, but speaking of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, I suppose we ought to move on to it. And let's just start with, like, you know, what sorts of things did Sonic 2 add or change compared to the original? And uh, if I really wanted to bullet point him, I would say it's Tails, uh, better special stages, though they're still not great special stages. Um, in Sonic the Hedgehog 1, any zone was three levels long, or acts, I guess. And in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, aside from Metropolis Zone, which, I mean, you know, is only the hardest zone in the game, uh, they're all uh, two acts long. There's also... Uh, the, it also started the tradition of the plane level in Sonic the Hedgehog, which, uh, in which Sonic just kind of stands on top of the tornado with tails flying it, and he, uh, uh, you have to move the plane around and navigate him. Of course, it's a little different when you get into the 3D games, the way that the, uh, uh plane levels works, um, but that's really the, the, uh, uh, the basics you need to know of the plane level. And, of course, the biggest addition was the spin dash, but I, I want to go into a, a, a little bit more depth on a couple of these things, starting with Tails. And I think the character Tails is great in theory. And I, I should say, for, for starters, uh, Tails is actually probably my favorite character in the series, so I don't, I actually really like Tails as a character, but my issue with Tails in Sonic 2 is how he impacts gameplay. Uh, well, especially in a particular area, um, but, you know, uh, in Sonic 2, Tails just kind of follows you around and 
mostly gets left behind. E even if he gets hit, Tails doesn't lose any rings, so that that is a major plus. He actually doesn't make the regular stages um, any harder, and if he does get behind, he just kind of flies back to you. Um, of course, if you're playing as Tails, he can't fly, which is kind of weird in Sonic 2, but they would, uh, uh, Sonic Team would fix this in uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, but it certainly was um, a missed opportunity that you couldn't fly as Tails in Sonic 2, because that would have made a great sort of easy mode for the game, which, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of why Tails flies in Sonic 3, is because it, it, it he can act as, um, like, an easy mode. And of course, like I said, the special stages are better in Sonic 2, but they're still not great. And it mostly comes down to, once again, the flaws in the Genesis hardware. Unfortunately, uh, the Christian Whitehead port does come through again um, by increasing the frame rate and actually making the special stages be rendered with 3D models as opposed to the pre-rendered sort of um, thing that uh, the Genesis special stages went for. Um, so they're a little bit better in that... Uh, you know, it, it doesn't feel completely random as far as will you get lucky and not end up on the goal ring or like the goal spot that you would in the Genesis Sonic stages and just end up getting kicked out. Or uh, whereas there's there's some skill to the half pipe and trying to get enough rings to pass um, the gate. At least when you're playing as either Sonic or Tails alone, because if you're playing as Sonic and Tails... Um, the stages got, just got, like, that, that, a mm, little bit more hard, more difficult. Because you would think that having Sonic and Tails would make the stages easier in that it's like, oh, so in order to beat the special stage and get the Chaos Emerald, I just have to collect X number of rings, and then I will get the Emerald. Well, not only does playing a Sonic and Tails increase the number of rings you need to collect, it also means now you have another hitbox to worry about when there are bombs coming up in the special stages that make you lose rings. So you essentially need to um, uh, plan around not so much how you, the player, will get hit, but really more so how Tails would get hit, because, you know, Tails jumps right after Sonic does, and he's almost, like, um, tethered to Sonic in that it's like if... They're standing right in front of each other. Whatever Sonic does, like if he moves to the left, Tails is going to just move right after that and not at the same time. So you, have to, you just you have to time your acts or your actions such that not like you, you and Tails don't get hit, which, uh, you know, essentially makes Tails a giant hindrance. If anything, it, it really doesn't pay to have both of them together then. And, um, you know, uh, again, I, I recommend you check out Exo's piece on this because he really does a good job of saying those same sorts of things that I said, but in a much more humorous and engaging way. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, if, if by some miracle you can manage to beat all of these special stages and collect all the Chaos Emeralds, uh... You get to you get the ability to turn into supersonic when holding 50 or more rings and hitting the jump button twice. Um, but of course, Tails gets nothing, so don't even bother playing the special stages for playing through the game as Tails because he gets uh, zip and pip. Uh, but 
playing as Sonic is worth it because he, you know, Super Sonic runs faster, he jumps higher, and he's invincible even to touch damage. Oh, although he can, of course, still fall down the occasional bottomless pit wherever they are. But again, I recommend uh, <laughs> uh, just having good luck to you uh, in the first place and trying to do that because it's not very easy. And, you know, like, like I said, it's... <sighs> it, even if it was harder in Sonic 1... I still don't think that either reward for either of these would have been worth it, especially in Sonic 1, where all you got was a, a slightly different ending for getting all the cam Chaos Emeralds. Um, and I guess... I guess that kind of really gets to the tail end of my issues with Sonic 2, which is that Sonic the Hedgehog 2 should have been a major improvement on... Sonic the Hedgehog in just about every single way. And, you know, there, there are ideas that should make the game better. Uh, increasing the number of zones, but reducing the number of stages is really good. It gives you more aesthetic choices. Of course, the story is a little different in that, you know, we're upping the ante from just save all the animals and these robots to... Um, defeat Dr. Robotnik's death egg that's going to take over the world. And you're getting a new character and tails, and you're getting better special stages. But the main issues from Sonic 1 still carry over to Sonic 2. And that is the main reason to me why the game is not better. It's like you can add on all of this, but, you know, if you're still dealing... It's kind of like um, putting lipstick on a pig issue, where it's like, oh, you can keep adding more to try to make the pig look a lot prettier, but it doesn't matter because it's still a pig, you know what I'm saying? And even something as simple as, like, the momentum from touch damage issue is still here. And something like the spin dash does try to improve on that um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, for starters, of course, the spin dash automatically puts you in a ball, so on paper... Uh, you should be able to avoid most enemy attacks other than the occasional projectile. And even then, you know, you it should be able to, like like I said, I gave that example where it's like, oh man, I got hit and now I have to go up this incline. Now instead of running back, you can just pop a spin dash and instantly get up the hill. But, you know, it doesn't help you keep your momentum. Really, all the spin dash does is basically give you a little burst of speed. Uh, and you need to hope that you're in a situation that would, you know, help you keep it. Like, oh, I'll use a spin dash, and now there's going to be a slope right afterward, so I'll be able to keep running fast. Um, or you need to hope that maybe there's, uh, not another enemy in the way that's going to kill your momentum, because now the moment where you instantly, where you get out of the ball and start running... Uh, now there's an enemy, another enemy there, and then you just have to start the whole cycle over again. So, I don't know. I, again, I like Sonic the Hedgehog 2 more than Sonic the Hedgehog 1. But just, it's, how can you make a game that, uh, adds so much more without addressing the key flaws in your original creation. That's 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 just what keeps sticking out to me. And if there's any game that gets close to getting everything right on the Genesis then, it will be the next pair of games, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles. 
And really everything that I've liked about all the previous Sonic games here is, is here in Sonic 3 and it's accounted for. And I actually think the team, Sonic team, uh, made some key changes and additions that would make it the superior Sonic experience. And so for starters, you get another playable character in Knuckles the Echidna. And, you know, I find in Sonic 3 in particular that I prefer playing as any character that isn't Sonic because I like having special extra moves. And Knuckles just has like a, a pretty good amount. Of course, he can he can glide through the air if you hit the jump button while he is um, already jumping and you're going a, a sufficient speed. Uh, of course, though, that makes him vulnerable to enemy attacks since he's not in his ball form. Uh, Knuckles can climb up walls if he glides into a wall. So if you really, really do need to go back for something, uh, you'll be able to do that. Um, of course, you know, Knuckles is just cool and red, and his his design is just really neat. Um, but actually, speaking of those special moves, I talked about how Tails got some major buffs, like being actually able to fly uh, when you play as Tails alone. Um, in order to fly, you have to hit up after jumping, and then mash the jump button to fly. Um, and Tails is actually also now able to swim underwater, unlike Sonic or Knuckles, or... Um, actually, when you're playing as Sonic and Tails together in two-player mode, Tails can pick up Sonic and fly him around to reach uh, hard-to-reach areas. So, um, I mean, and I guess I shouldn't leave Sonic too far out of the pack because he does get a special move as well uh, called the Insta-Shield. It's like a tiny little force field that he uh, can generate after hitting the jump button to beat enemy or, well, to destroy robots that are just out of Sonic's uh, regular reach. So, I mean, th those alone are already three pretty major additions that make, um, in my opinion, the Sonic 3 experience uh, that much better. Just doing more with the characters and doing more with um, the D-pad. Um, but there's even more things, like the, the elemental shields are a new addition. So, in past games... Uh, a character would just get like a regular plain old shield that would just um, protect uh, Sonic from an attack. But now these elemental shields uh, go uh, in addition to the regular shields and the other power-ups like your invincibility and your speed shoes um, by uh, doing more than just giving Sonic a free hit. Uh, and just keeping him invulnerable from certain types of attacks, of course, fire attacks, uh, electric attacks, and um, water-based attacks. You know, the bubble shield lets Sonic breathe underwater, which is huge because um, in all in the prior two games, and of course still today, um, Sonic is one of the few game series that even in 2D doesn't let you just breathe underwater continuously with no issues. Um, in fact, uh, there's a famous timer that goes do 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 like and just keeps getting faster until Sonic eventually drowns, and the bubble shield just completely prevents that. You can just stay underwater as long as you need, which is extremely helpful because there are just plenty of moments where you're not going to be able to periodically jump out of the water, or you probably won't find an actual air bubble close enough. Then there is the fire shield, which that one's probably, in my opinion, the least exciting. It's just if you hit the jump button again, Sonic gets a, a quick little air dash forward. 
And then there's the electric shield, which has a couple of um, options. Uh, it allows Sonic to double jump, uh, which I actually find isn't all that helpful in a 2D game. Uh, I guess depending. I guess I would say in Sonic 3, maybe it just isn't all that much helpful. Um, but it also has the benefit of allowing uh, Sonic to pull rings towards him as well. Just keep racking up those rings. Um, but if you ask me, the greatest addition to, or the greatest change to uh, Sonic 3 and Knuckles is that the special stages don't completely suck. Um, and it's because they use the Blue Sphere format. This is a type of special stage where you, believe it or not, try to collect all the Blue Spheres, um, and you'll get ejected from the special stage if you touch a red one. And again, this gets you the uh, Chaos Emeralds, which are now useful for Sonic and Knuckles, as they both have uh, super forms. But Tails is actually not entirely uh, left out of uh, the, 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 the super train as well, um, except Tails needs to go ahead and actually collect all of these super emeralds in addition to uh, the Chaos Emeralds to obtain his uh, superpower. And if you're like, well, what the heck are the Super Emeralds? Um, that actually has to do with the Sonic and Knuckles portion of the game. So um, after you collect all seven regular Chaos Emeralds in the Sonic 3 portion of the game, uh, when you go into Sonic and Knuckles, you have seven more special stages to collect the Super Emeralds, which then grants uh, Sonic and Tails the Hypersonic and Hyper Knuckles forms, which are really not that exciting because their only big difference between Supersonic and Super Knuckles are that they have even greater speed and uh, true invincibility, whereas Super Tails is really the the most super of them all because he gets those same benefits, uh, but he also has a little army of uh, uh, flickies, which are these little, little birds in the series uh, that will also protect Tails uh, as he keeps uh, moving around. And I guess I should, you know, talk more about the special stages than just what they are. If anything, they are interesting to me because they're probably the easiest of the special stages. And there's always a clear layout to uh, complete a stage perfectly. Like, you know, I, I guess if I had to sum up in one sentence why I like Blue Sphere the most out of the special stages, it's just like, if I uh, mess up in the special stage, I feel like I messed up. Whereas in Sonic 1 and Sonic 2, if I mess up in a special stage, it feels like the stage cheated me. Um, and I mean, I already uh, 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 referenced this a little bit, but whereas much as Sonic 3 and Knuckles gets um gets to being the superior genesis sonic experience it's still not the best one or like the best um still doesn't do things perfectly i guess i should say because it still has that same momentum problem but i think i think i've um gone on enough about that just with sonic 1 and 2 already uh to describe it again um, and it's it's just a shame that after three, technically four, I guess, games, that 
it just could not be fixed. That there could not be something that would um, improve this issue for me. Um, but I, I guess it would be worth talking about some of the unique aspects of Sonic 3 and Knuckles as well. Um, like the lock-on technology. So if you don't, really don't know much about the development of Sonic 3 and Knuckles, this is going to be uh, a little bit of an interesting crash course for you. And so if you've ever seen a copy of Sonic and Knuckles out in the wild, it probably looks like the strangest official Sega Genesis cartridge ever because it isn't shaped like any other Genesis cartridge. In fact, it has this little door on the top that just has another cartridge connector on it, which probably seems a little weird until you realize what you're supposed to do is lock Sonic 3 on to the top of it, and lo and behold, that's how you get Sonic 3 and Knuckles, the complete game. And you can actually lock other uh, Genesis cartridges on the top too to um, try out more randomized blue sphere layouts, or um, in the case of... Uh, Sonic 2, you can actually play as Knuckle, Knuckles in Sonic 2, um, which I think is really interesting. Um, and then, of course, there's another unique aspect that we have to talk about, which explains why, um, you know, Sonic 3 and Knuckles is coming out for the first time in Sonic Origins uh, next year. And like I said in my E3 episode, it hasn't been since 2010's Sonic Classic Collection on the DS, uh, that the game has seen the light of day, and that's because of the music. And while I don't think it's technically, in the most formal sense, truly confirmed, um, the widespread belief is that, or, or at least the uh, story seems to be that, a lot of Sonic 3's music was actually created by Michael Jackson. And that might seem completely out of left field, like, why is the King of Pop involved in my Sonic here, right? <laughs> and it's actually because Michael Jackson actually had a huge respect for some video games, particularly Sega, uh, which is why Sega made uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, the arcade game that went with the film of the same name, and then inevitably made the Sega Genesis version of the game. And of course, you know, it's like, well, what do you do if you have the King of Pop on your side here? You go ahead and say, hey, uh, would you like to maybe make some music for our uh, big name flagship game series? And of course he says yes. Uh, but then you realize that, oh, wait a minute, maybe I don't want this guy involved with us because now he's suddenly embroiled in a scandal around pedophilia. <laughs> um, so inevitably different composers ended up being brought in for uh, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, but as they'll tell you, they just kind of ended up using Michael Jackson's music anyway, and a, pe a bunch of people who are involved with the um, uh, game, like a lot of the music in Sonic 3 sounds similar to real songs, whether they ended up being actual um, uh, Michael Jackson songs, or if they ended up being songs by other people. Uh, of course, uh, one of the infamous examples is with uh, Ice Cap Zone. Its song sounds pretty similar to uh, uh, a, an unreleased song uh, titled Hard Times by the Jetsons. And, uh, God, I really wish I could remember which 
Sonic 3 songs sound similar to Michael Jackson songs. Like, I think, if I remember correctly, the credits song to Sonic 3 is supposed to sound similar to uh, A Stranger in Moscow is the song. It'll be, of course, that was a song that will come out after uh, Sonic 3 and Knuckles. So you can imagine that it's like, oh, these same sorts of tunes and riffs are, were still in uh, Jackson's head when he was making... Um, regular schmegular Michael Jackson style music so I just I, it's a very fascinating story to think that to see these these media worlds combine and of course uh, the political uh, socio-cultural scandals that end up making it so that it ends up becoming an urban legend that Michael Jackson was involved with Sonic 3 instead of it just actually being the case that yeah that's his music in there and uh, it is what it is, and he basically is just letting us use his music, and that's awesome. So, uh, I do have one more Genesis-era uh, game to talk about here, and that is Sonic CD. And now, Sonic CD actually released before Sonic 3, um, but I just wanted to get through the whole numbered uh, trilogy slash quadrilogy first. Um, and I tell you, Sonic CD is a very interesting little case. And, of course, to play this game, uh, you had to have a Sega CD, which cost $299 in the mid-90s, uh, while the Genesis alone cost $199 in the mid-90s, uh, at least at launch. So, uh, playing Sonic CD was a tall order, unless you went for the PC version, but then again, you also then already had to have a PC that would have been compatible completely with... <laughs> um, Sonic CD. So I I just I hope that you weren't like me and ended up not being super impressed by Sonic CD either. Like I don't think I've found a single Sonic game that I find super impressive and I keep bringing it up, but it's because Sonic CD holds many of the same issues that I've had with the other games so far. Of course, there's a momentum after a hit problem that just keeps on rearing its ugly head, but a couple of changes have been made to try to address that issue here uh, in Sonic CD. In, in response to Sonic 2's spin dash, because both Sonic CD and Sonic 2 uh, were in development at around the same time, a spin dash was added, except... This spin dash isn't the same spin dash from Sonic 2, because in Sonic 2 you could just hold down the button, hit A, and instantly go speeding off. Whereas in Sonic CD, you have to hold down the down uh, on the D-pad and the button for at least like a second or two before Sonic is able to go peeling off. Um, similarly, there's also the addition of the super peel-out move, um, where Sonic runs in place with his feet and... Um, they look like a figure eight or a Mobius strip. I Let me try to visualize it with one finger instead of two because I'm getting really confused there. <laughs> um, and, you know, when releasing the jump button, Sonic will just instantly run at full speed. Um, but of course, unlike the spin dash, Sonic can still get hit as soon as he uses the super peel out because he doesn't start in ball form. He's just running super duper fast. And, again, I, I like both of these moves, but they just don't really help you keep the momentum. They just help you gain a little bit of temporary momentum, and then you have to hope that you're able to keep it later on. And that's, that just, it doesn't solve the problem. 
problem, at least for me. Um, the actual stages in Sonic CD are a lot longer, um, but they're also a lot more confusing to navigate than in any other prior Genesis game. The stage that I see, well, I guess there's a couple of stages that I see people bring up the most, like Wacky Workbench is um, a stage where the whole, like, main ground floor is just a giant, like, spring. It just bounces you way super far up, and, you know, it's hard to continue navigating to the right if you're just stuck going, whoa, up and down and up and down like you're on a giant trampoline. And then there's other stages like, um, in Collision Chaos, there's a lot of bumpers all around the place, so it gets into the same problem. And then there's, uh, Stardust Speedway, which just has, like, tubes and different areas going all, all, all sorts of around the place that makes it just so much harder to navigate. And fortunately, fortunately for Sonic CD, uh, the special stages don't entirely suck here either. Um, but once more, Christian Whitehead comes to the rescue and makes his version of the special stages a lot better. Um, because these special stages actually go for a pseudo 3D uh, approach, almost like a Mode 7 on the SNES type of special stage. And essentially all that Sonic needs to do is destroy a set of these blue UFOs in a certain time limit, and successfully doing so will grant Sonic with a time stone, which will ensure the best ending of the game, much like in uh, Sonic 1. Otherwise, Sonic would have to go around the level, these giant ridiculously large levels and try to find a robot generator in every single stage and while I still opine these stages are generally easier though not as easy as blue sphere um either method regardless is still easier to say you can do this than actually do it and once again it comes down to the genesis at least in the, the special stage case having a choppy frame rate and that is why the 7th gen console and PC and mobile version by Whitehead is um, superior. Though, of course, I guess I personally don't have any ability to comment on it since the only version that I have of Sonic CD is the version of the Sonic Gems collection on the GameCube. Now, of course, one of the things that also might have stuck out about the special stages there that I just talked about is that you're not actually collecting Chaos Emeralds, you're collecting Time Stones. And that gets more into the plot of the game. I already briefly touched on how uh, Dr. Eggman has chained the little planet to uh, the regular planet. It, it the, the little planet appears above this lake uh, on Earth every so often. And, you know, Robotnik is keeping it to stay there to build his little empire there. And in doing so, uh, Robotnik has... Um, collected all of the time stones on Little Planet so that once Sonic uh, inevitably defeats him because he assumes that he's going to do that, Robotnik can just go back in time and stop him from doing that. And so one of the gimmicks throughout the game is being able to go to the past, which is where you'll find the um, robot generators and be able to take them down um, to go back to the present, or you can go back, or you can even go into the future and see how terrible of a place uh, Little Planet ends up being because uh, Robotnik succeeds in his plans, and you're if, if you're unable to collect the time stones or defeat all of the robot generators, but if you are able to do all, uh, either collect all of the time stones or find all of the 
uh, robot generators in a zone, you'll be able to see the good future when you travel into the future and um, make it into the third act, which is just the boss act. Um, the third act takes place in the future regardless, so uh, it'll either be the bad future or it will be the good future depending on uh, your actions. And similarly, I suppose I should comment on time travel. That isn't something that I really uh, uh, noted down in my I, uh, my uh, notes here, which is kind of surprising here, um, because I would think that would be something pretty key. Um, time traveling is a great idea on paper, I, but in practice it doesn't work out every time. Because you have to try, not only do you have to run past a sign that says past, um, you also need to continue having speed for a certain amount of time, and if uh, there is something that I've talked about a lot here, it's that it's hard to continually keep your speed in Sonic, especially in 2D Genesis Sonic. Now, there are some areas that are cordoned off as like, oh, here's like a spring on here and here, and it creates this little loop uh, where if you pass a sign, you can go through that and just keep going back and forth until you're able to go backwards in time. But then there are the future signs, and there's really no point in going to the future, because the future doesn't hold anything other than seeing what the bad future or the good future of a zone will look like. So it's kind of pointless. It would, all, it would be better if all of those future signs were simply past signs, so that you had more chances to go to the past. And then the method of getting into the special stages, which I guess is something I talked about a ton, um, is the same for... Sonic CD as it was in Sonic 1. You have to get to the end of the level with 50 rings, which is easier said than done. Um, and Sonic 2 was a little bit easier in that you just had to pass a checkpoint with 50 rings and then jump into the ring above the checkpoint, which is also the method that would be used to get into the bonus stages in Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Um, whereas uh, in that latter game, 3 and Knuckles, uh, there were giant rings spread around the levels that would take you into special stages. Uh, this would be the same method that was used in uh, a much later game, Sonic Mania. And I guess, you know, now that I've diverted off of that tangent of things that I should have mentioned earlier, um, for what it's worth, Sonic CD, I value if only for introducing a couple of important uh, mainstay characters in Amy Rose and uh, Metal Sonic. I don't exactly have a ton of characterization in Sonic CD beyond Amy, like, oh, I love Sonic and chasing Sonic and having little hearts flying off of her, and Metal Sonic just trying to take down Sonic Prime not the show, um, but that's, you know, that that's really all the characterization that Amy and Metal Sonic needed in this game, um, and they would just end up becoming characters that you would see in later games and uh, end up giving more characterization to, and, you know, while I think that people are pretty critical on uh, Sonic CD for a good reason, I do think that Sonic CD and Sonic 3 and Knuckles were both strong steps in the right direction post um, Sonic 1 and 2, and that that is something that I do not want to, uh, to downplay there. Um, but now we get into some slightly different things, because now we're past the Genesis games that I have played and are starting to move on to the 
uh, Saturn era. So let's get into something completely different and talk about Sonic the Fighters. So I already mentioned, of course, that I played Sonic CD off of the Sonic Gems collection, um, and that naturally means I played the other two games in that collection, including Sonic the Fighters. And out of the three major games on that collection, this is probably the one that I've played the least. And it's because outside of Smash, I'm not exactly a fighting game sort of person. I just, I don't have an interest in learning combos for hours on end and getting into like frame data and like, you know, doing those sorts of things that hardcore fighting game fans do. Um, but at the same time, I also just don't have people to play the game against in my normal life. Uh, so I would have to hope to play it online, but that's mostly filled with people who, um, really do get into the game. And even, I mean, I guess I just, in fairness to Sonic the Fighters, I'd have to have a completely different version of the game to even be able to play it online, but it's just, it's, it's kind of a mess. The whole fighting game experience is a mess, and I don't really have any motivation to uh, get deep into the woods on it, on, on this genre, or even play it casually in any way. Um, but I guess that little tangent aside, I think Sonic the Fighters is a surprisingly enjoyable game. I don't think it's like a great fighting game, but I think it does well in being what I would call the casuals casual fighting game. Uh, you know, it has a very distinct set of um, characters all in the Sega Saturn fifth generation console look. Um, so, I mean, it isn't really a game that I've played a ton, so I can't give a lot of commentary on any of the characters or their intricacies, but, you know, you have your mainstays, your Sonic, your Tails, your Knuckles, Amy, um, but you even have some uh, more niche characters like Bark the Polar Bear, Bean the Dynamite, and Fang the Sniper. Uh, those are three characters that we wouldn't see incarnations of until Sonic Mania. Well, at least as far as the games are concerned, they've always been kind of present in um, the Sonic the Hedgehog comics, interestingly. And you know, I guess I just like Sonic Fighters because it's a game that you could very well just button mash against and still get at least like most of the way through an arcade mode um, journey in. And, you know, that like that's all I really need out of my fighting game experience is so. And, you know, I guess I enjoy Sonic the Fighters for what it is. And if you think that's a controversial opinion, just wait till we get into our next game here. Oh, boy. Ooh. <laughs> I, honest to goodness, really like Sonic R, and I mean that entirely unironically. In fact, I am so willing to put my reputation on the line that I would very well call Sonic R my favorite Sonic game. But keep in mind, there's so many that I haven't played that it really isn't fair for me to claim that I have a favorite Sonic game, especially when that favorite currently is Sonic R. <laughs> um, so uh, Sonic R is a racing game, but it's not like any regular schmegular racing game where um, you drive a car. No, 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 no. It is a racing game where you run on foot. Um, but it's not just like, like, a, like a track game, and I mean track and like the... 400 meter dash sort of sense it's almost like if you mixed a kart racer with the type of world that you would see in a 3d sonic the hedgehog platformer and in that sense i think um the game does what it needs to do really well i genuinely feel like 
the stages feel like a uh, 2D Sonic level, but in um, 3D. And I guess admittedly, one of the reasons that I am kind of biased toward Sonic R is that it's actually probably one of the easiest Sonic games to complete. You know, all you need to do is get the five character coins in a stage and win the race, and then inevitably beat that character, um, the, the character that you would unlock from collecting those coins, um, to gain another character to play as, and that could be Metal Sonic, it could be Tails Doll, it could be Metal Knuckles, and then similarly to, ugh, similarly to uh, obtain the Chaos Emeralds, you don't need to go through any stupid, ridiculous special stage, you just gotta obtain the right number of rings, and, you know, take, like, go off the beaten path to collect an emerald behind a door that's labeled you need this many rings, and win the race. Um, now I certainly won't say that Sonic R isn't a monotonous game, um, because to complete these goals, you basically have to play the same stages multiple times, and, uh, well, let's see, did I mention there's only five tracks in this kart racing game, or kart racing style game, uh, which is an absolute pitiful quantity of tracks and believe me there are only so many times you can play these five stages over and over again until it gets really boring <laughs> especially because you have to unlock one of those five stages so for the most part you only really have four stages that you're playing and you know i guess that's not even to mention i really wouldn't say the characters are super well balanced i would argue that sonic and knuckles are the best characters i feel like they have the best advantages um while you're basically putting yourself at a disadvantage trying to play as amy or dr eggman because their special abilities are they're not nearly as useful as just sonic being fast and knuckles having a glide um and tails is kind of in between his flight i actually find doesn't isn't very helpful either but he's at least not nearly as slow as amy or at least he doesn't have Dr. Eggman's missile power-up, which is absolutely pitiful. Um, and then playing the unlockable characters should be fun, except um, when you unlock Supersonic by collecting all the Chaos Emeralds, they always have to race against Supersonic. So if you play as one of the five base characters, they all race against each other, but if you play as any of the unlockable characters, they also all race against each other. Um, Metal Sonic, Tails Doll, Metal Knuckles, the Egg Robo, and Super Sonic. Um, but Super Sonic has, like, super overpowered stats, so... Um, in that case, it, it almost puts yourself at an even worse disadvantage to collect all the Chaos Emeralds, even though that unlocks the final stage in the game and allows you to play as Supersonic, which is the best character. So I guess the long and short of it for me is that maybe Sonic R isn't my favorite Sonic game, but it's just one of my favorite guilty pleasure sort of games. Um, but, you know, for as much as I like it, I still have to be objective and admit that it has... A lot of flaws, much like our next game, which is one that a lot of people like, but also have a lot of flaws, and that's Sonic Adventure. Now, kind of like XO, I haven't brought him up in a while, um, 
he also he he talks about this idea and i agree with him i think you can generally group sonic fans into three sort of camps we just talked about the classic era games those would be your classic fans they tend to be pretty rabid about just the classic games and they're like screw every game that is after sonic 3 and knuckles except sonic mania because that one's good um and now we're moving on to the next era which would be the dreamcast era and so of course now you'd have your dreamcast adventure fans that really like the adventure games and kind of respect the genesis games and have some tolerance for the modern games and then there's your very few modernist sort of sonic fans which mostly like the modern games and don't really get the appeal of uh anything pre-sonic uh probably unleashed i would say um but i'm getting into a slight tangent here um out of the Dreamcast era games, I've actually only played Sonic Adventure 1. And I say this loosely because I've also hardly touched Sonic Adventure. Like, I own a bunch of the games. I own Sonic Adventure DX, director's cut on the GameCube. I own Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, also on the GameCube. I own Sonic Heroes. Can you guess what I have that on? Um, and I mean, I guess it's really unfair. I, I, I still don't know why Sega lumped sonic heroes in with the dreamcast era and sonic generations but now i guess it's just kind of part of it um and i guess some people would also probably lump uh shadow the hedgehog in that time frame though i would argue shadow the hedgehog is much less clear where it belongs in these um three eras um so I, I actually i don't even know why i don't even own shadow the hedgehog so i don't i can't comment on it very much but to actually talk about Sonic Adventure a little bit, I get very Super Mario 64 vibes for that from, from Sonic Adventure. And I mean this in that when I play Sonic Adventure, I feel, or at least the little bit I have played, I have felt the same way that I felt when I first played the original N64 version of Super Mario 64 last year uh, in Super Mario 3D All-Stars. And it's that... What I've realized about Sonic Adventure and Super Mario 64 is that I don't think they're bad games, but man, are they dated. And the controls on those games are infuriating. And I mean, I don't, okay, I mean, I guess I don't want to make any definitive opinions on Sonic Adventure, but those exact sort of things I just <laughs> uh, described about uh, Super Mario 64 uh, hold very true. Um, but from that little bit that I have played, I feel like I will feel uh, pretty similar about Sonic Adventure as I felt about Super Mario 64. But hey, you know, it, it was the first 3D Sonic game, like the true first 3D Sonic game, because Sonic 3D Blast was more of a, um, a an isometric game rather than like a, what I would classify as a true 3D experience. And I think in that sense, it actually did a pretty good job in the same way that it's like... I think for what it is, Super Mario 64 did a pretty good job, but it's not that great. <laughs> um, the story in Sonic Adventure is just, like, super convoluted and hard to understand, and the lip-sync in the English version is, like, especially laughable. Uh, the voice acting is okay, but it could have been a lot stronger. Um, it's really not, um, like, that amazing 
but I do have to cut it some slack uh, since it was the first Sonic game with voice acting, which is certainly more than Super Mario 64 can say since the extent of its voice acting was mostly a few lines from uh, Princess Peach. It's not a super great looking game either. That's another way in which um, uh, Sonic Adventure is uh, dated. Uh, and like a lot of the other games that I've talked about, I feel like Sonic Adventure is a pretty mixed bag when it comes to controls and gameplay. Um, fortunately, I would argue it's really the first game to do away with the momentum problem, because when you run up a hill, you're gonna run up a hill. It doesn't matter if you get stopped by an enemy along the way, it doesn't matter if you stop just before that hill, if you're running toward the hill, you're gonna get up it no problem. And I, that is how I like it, even if I understand uh, the arguments people use in favor of um, keeping momentum in the the, the, the the Genesis style. And, you know, it's, it's the same sort of reason uh, that would apply in Super Mario 64 as well, and in many other 3D platformers, because having a momentum system where just you're only able to walk up something that's sloped doesn't entirely work. It, it, to me, it's cumbersome in 2D Sonic, but then it, if they applied that same system in 3D Sonic, it would be extremely cumbersome. And fortunately, so fortunately, the plot of Sonic Adventure is about collecting the Chaos Emeralds. And because the plot is about collecting the Chaos Emeralds, that means there's no need for special stages, so they're not optional, which makes Brandon a very, very happy guy, because he doesn't have to play any stupid special stages. And the same holds true for Sonic Adventure 2, so that just, let's give that a bit of praise I can give this game that I haven't played. Although Sonic Heroes goes back to having special stages, and it... Mm, why they had it so good for two games there um but where things falter gameplay wise in sonic adventure is having six different play styles which is another example of a theoretically great idea and it, it sounds like it'll be a brilliant way to extend playtime, especially if you're using the same stages with different routes that complement all the characters and in some ways sonic team kind of tried to do that a little bit but they didn't make the exact same stages for every character. They instead made new stages for every gameplay style that would work um, in like the same level aesthetic. So, like all all six of the characters—Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, um, Amy. There's Big the Cat and uh, this robot E123 Gamma. Um, they all they just they all play completely differently. So Sonic has the simple run to the end stage format, uh, just now in 3D. Tails kind of has a similar thing, um, but he tries to race Sonic to the end. Uh, Knuckles is completely different, where instead of having a linear stage, he has a wide open treasure hunting type of stage. Um, and then Amy and Gamma go back to the more linear platforming style. But Amy is slower and almost more Mario-like, whereas Gamma has this, like, shooting gameplay. It's like, they're, just, they're kind of defined by these unique elements that don't fit with the core Sonic gameplay because Amy has to attack enemies with a weapon, almost like a sort of, like, melee um, hammer attack. And she has to continue moving along to avoid this robot that's chasing her and this bird that she saved. While Gamma has to um, shoot 
uh, enemies along the way, which I think would work, except the reason you shoot enemies isn't just to, like, defeat enemies, it's to add to the time on your timer for the stage. So, you know, I, I think if you can just um, complete the stage and have the number of enemies you shoot down decrease your time rather than increase how much time you're allotted, that would work better. And then there's Big. And everybody has made fun of Big the Cat for good reason. Because for whatever reason, he has fishing stages. Yes, fishing stages. And I don't think I need to go over why that's a bad idea. Uh, considering that every review has pointed out why fishing stages doesn't make sense in a Sonic game. Um... And I don't even want to rehash those because I have not personally played them yet. But it's just like, it's not even a conceptually good idea for uh, a Sonic stage. So I don't know why Sonic Team thought that fishing stages would be a good thing to go with. Even if the Sega Dreamcast had a fishing controller it was i mean um, correct me if i'm wrong which i guess i certainly could be but i'm fairly confident that these stages did not use the fishing controller so why are they even there and i guess it i hope that it's become kind of clear that i really do want to like all of these sonic games to the fullest extent but they all have this, like, one glaring flaw that makes it impossible for me to do so. Whether it's my momentum problems in the 2D games, how absolutely abysmal many of the special stages are, or Big the Cat. Um, well, and I, I... it's really not Big the Cat. <laughs> I, I just kind of, it's kind of a joke. But it's really just that Sonic Adventure reminds me of Super Mario 64's worst qualities. So apologies to the fans of Super Mario 64 that I've offended and the fans of Sonic Adventure that I've offended, but, you know, I'm just going to tell you really and truly how I feel about the game. And I think that it's not a bad game, but it's a dated game. So obviously, uh, you know, that's the only Dreamcast-era game that I've played, so that means we have to skip over, like, a lot of games. And I mean a lot of games, because we're not jumping to Sonic 06, we're not jumping to Sonic Unleashed, we're jumping all the way from, like, 1998 to, oh goodness, to 2010's Sonic Colors. And you may also have noticed a distinct lack of handheld representation in the games that I've played, because, frankly, I haven't picked up most of the Sonic games on Game Gear or on the Game Boy Advance, or even the Nintendo DS, which is kind of sad. Um, in fact, I only discuss, I'm only going to discuss Sonic Colors on Wii, and even barely at that. Um, I should at least have a couple of 3DS games to talk about here, um, but until then, we're just going to continue on this brief console train here. Now, Sonic Colors is also a game that I almost have to talk about now, with um, uh, Sonic Colors Ultimate being announced at the Sonic Central livestream. Uh, of course, at this time, I am recording this, which is June 28th, 2021. Um, at, 
Uh, the game is not out yet. It should be coming out later this year, and by the time you're watching or listening to this, it will most certainly um, be out. But the, the, the long story short, and the whole reason I bring that up, is if I ever do go back uh, to play Sonic Colors, it's probably going to be on the Ultimate version. Not that there's anything wrong with the original Wii game, but if I can have the game on a system that I'm far more likely to boot up, in the form of my Switch, then it's probably worth the investment to me than um, plugging in all the things for my Wii and trying to find batteries for Wii remotes and all that, that jazz. So, uh, but to actually talk about the game, Sonic Colors is a very interesting little case here. It's the first of the console boost formula games that we're talking about today. <clears throat> and if you don't know what the boost formula is, it essentially takes a similar idea from games like Sonic Rush, and in fact that's also why I brought up the uh, lack of handheld representation, because we need to briefly tangent off into Sonic Rush to understand the boost formula. Um, and essentially how that this type of game worked uh, was that Sonic would continue running along, um, but rather than be momentum-based, he would gain power on a boost meter by jumping into enemies, doing tricks, um, you know, air, uh, like uh, grinding on rails, all just things that you would see in all of these other gameplay styles already. Um, but using up that meter would cause... Uh, Sonic to run at even greater speeds. So when Sonic Unleashed came out, uh, Sonic Team decided that it would be good to adapt that system to a 3D console game, and I have to agree with them. I think this was a, a, a good direction uh, for them. I don't think it's unfortunately maintained uh, very well due to a certain game, um, but I think if like this is probably the closest that Sonic Team is going to be able to get to um, handling Sonic well in 3D. Again, not that the not the um, um, adventure games were bad, uh, but they just they're definitely kind of janky, if that's a a good way to describe them. And like with so many of the other games that I've talked about here, I have not played a ton of Sonic Colors. It's a game that I want to play more, uh, just like many other games that I've started and never finished. Um, but in the little experience I have had with Sonic Colors, I do want to say the game really and truly is pretty fun. Uh, you know, the goal of getting to the end of the stage, of course, like any other um, Sonic level is good. Um, uh, being able to use uh, 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 or rather more easily defeat enemies in 3D with a homing attack first introduced in Sonic Adventure is genius and is by far far the best possible move that could have been made for the 3D game, by the way. Um, and then utilizing that to grow your boost gauge and maintain high speeds is just exhilarating. Um, and while colors may not be particularly one of the best boost formula games, um, since really it doesn't do a ton in 3D, um, I can't say that I don't like love it. It's kind of the theme, I guess, of all these games, is that I want to love the games, but there are just these reasons that I can't love them. Like, Sonic Colors is fun, but I just have enough gripes to not adore it, and the first of those is, for being a 3D game, it sure does a lot of 2D gameplay. And look, if Sega wanted to do another 2D boost game, like, then that's what they should have done. Even on the Wii, they should have just made a 2D boost game. 
And of course they did. That's what Sonic Colors on the DS is. Um, like it's essentially another Rush uh, title. And to the extent that there really are any 3D areas, I find that oftentimes the uh, areas are too simplistic to be super engaging. And similarly, I don't know if this is just me, but there is something about colors physics that are just off and off, off enough um, to give me some problems. Um, in, in fact, uh, one game that is coming up is certainly like just worse in general, um, if only because it's a lot more boring. Um, but I actually find it slightly better in the physics department. And, of course, that game that I'm talking about is Sonic Forces. Now, again, I don't want to make Sonic Forces sound like it's going to be a really good game. I just happen to enjoy the boost formula physics in Sonic Forces more than I do in Sonic Colors. Um, and, in fact, that's um, probably a major reason why I've hardly touched Sonic Colors. Um, although, again, that also could just come down to my preference for playing handheld games and just not wanting to sit down in front of... Uh, a TV, as I've talked about for so many episodes. Um, and I already talked in depth in the E3 episode about uh, Sonic Colors Ultimate, so I don't want to dive uh, too much more deeply into this game. Uh, it's possible that I will pick up the game when it, as uh, closer to when it comes out and discuss it, but I would not hold my breath uh, necessarily on that. Now, the game that would succeed uh, Sonic Colors is Sonic Generations. It was re released for Sonic's 20th anniversary, and so now the fact that Sonic Generations is a 10-year-old game is, like, a humongous shock to me, because I remember when that game was new, and that just makes me feel ancient, despite being uh, only 20 years old still. Um, but really, when it comes to Sonic Generations, I've only played the 3DS version, Although I have a little bit of experience with the PC version on my uh, little potato-y uh, laptop sitting in front of me. Um, and I don't, and of course part of that is just because I only have the demo and I don't really have a setup to play Sonic Generations to the fullest extent. So don't expect a ton of impressions on that version here. Um, but suffice it to say, in the, like, the little time that I have played Sonic Generations on PC... I think the controls on Classic Sonic are good, and I think the boost gameplay from Modern Sonic received um, some pretty good tweaks from Sonic Colors to be improved, in my opinion. Um, but what I really want to discuss here is the 3DS version a bit, as it basically acts as the fourth and final uh, Sonic Rush game, with like a couple of extra Classic Sonic levels thrown in. And I think for the price I got it for, which was like, on sale for probably 10 bucks. Sonic Generations on 3DS is fine. The classic physics aren't perfect, and the Genesis problem reared its ugly head again, with me unable to climb slopes after getting damaged. Um, for whatever reason, when you enter the Dreamcast era stages, uh, Classic Sonic also gains the homing attack which makes them too similar to Modern Sonic, because Modern Sonic already came equipped with the homing attack, so uh, adding that was just plain Jane unnecessary. Like, it's just such a weird addition. Um, and then Modern Sonic, though, it just... He may as well be Classic Sonic who can boost then. And I just... I find 
modern Sonic's levels in Generation 3DS just be kind of boring. And, you know, like, th th there is a reason why a lot of people have described the Boost Formula games as hold right to win, because outside of a couple of, like, quick time events and some enemy chains to homing attack um, along the way, I find there isn't much to do in the modern Sonic stages. And I mean, I guess to be fair, the console and PC version is better about that than the 3DS version, so I don't want to say that the PC version is bad for that same sort of reason, but I'm certainly not saying that um, it is, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm saying the 3DS version is kind of boring with the modern stages, but the modern stages in the PC game seem to be pretty good. So, um, you know, and I, I think I just I think if the levels the modern levels had a little bit more interactivity, they would be more fun. But you know, the game does get some bonus points for only having Green Hill Zone as the only level across all versions of the game. So Sonic Generations 3DS has completely unique stages from the Dreamcast era and beyond compared to uh, the PC and console versions. So, um, you know, Sonic 2 in the PC and console version uses Chemical Plant Zone. This version uses Casino Night Zone as its second stage. Uh, for Sonic 3, the PC and console version has, um, oh my goodness, Sky Sanctuary Zone, while the 3DS version has Mushroom Hill Zone. And then the Dreamcast era's uh, levels are similarly completely different. And the 3DS version even comes with a unique handheld era uh, group of levels that covers a level from Sonic Rush and the DS version of Sonic Colors. So, you know... I guess both of those latter eras only have two games represented, unlike the console version, which had, um, well, actually no. Well, the latter eras, when I say that, I mean the Dreamcast era and the modern era, or no, the handheld era, I mean, only had two stages, while uh, the console version had three stages for every single era. Uh, there was additionally a level for Sonic Heroes in the Dreamcast era in the console and PC version, and the modern era had a stage for Sonic the Hedgehog 2006, uh, Sonic Unleashed, and Sonic Colors. So, uh, that should cover my thoughts on Sonic Generations. We're actually getting uh, surprisingly uh, close to the end of these games here. Uh, but let's take a, another little bit of a detour and talk about another racing game. We have another one of those again. We're talking about uh, Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. Although, I mean, I guess it is a little unfair because I do own Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing on Wii. Um, but, you know, uh, tell me if you haven't heard me say this already. I haven't played it a bunch. So I felt it would be only fair to skip over to the game that I have played more extensively. And I find that Racing Transformed is a game that I liked a lot more when I got it but not one that I have particularly felt the need to go back to. And, I mean, honestly, I'd say it's mostly because I just, I like Mario Kart more. <laughs> I think Mario Kart is the premier kart racer for mechanics, and while Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed is most certainly a great game, 
uh, in its own right. It just doesn't quite meet the Mario Kart standard. Uh, and this is actually one of the games that I do own two versions of. I have the 3DS and Wii U versions of the game. And while I would normally feel the need to talk about these two separately, they're shockingly similar for a uh, handheld and uh, a console game. Um, so I can basically talk about them together regardless. In fact, I completed the campaign mode in the 3DS version, so I have plenty, plenty of experience in the game, and I would not be surprised if I had more hours in um, the 3DS version of Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transform than I do in Mario Kart 7, because I really don't like Mario Kart 7. Um, but the thing that these Sega racing games have had, at least these, like, Sonic series games, including Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing, Racing Transformed, and uh, Team Sonic Racing, it's that they have a much better character selection than Mario Kart, particularly these All-Star games. You know, Mario Kart 8 and 8 Deluxe kind of dabbled in having character crossovers um, with the DLC and the Wii U version, of course, uh, the brand new added characters in the Deluxe uh, version on Switch, but Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed is about Sonic and many Sega All-Stars. Of course, you have Sonic characters represented, but you also have Knights into Dreams, Shinobi, even like Skies of Arcadia. Like, there's very few Sega franchises that don't get some form of representation um, between the original All-Stars and, and, and Racing Transformed. Like, the only one that's like coming off, off the top of my head, not including like games with less descript characters, like um, uh, Virtua Tennis, is um, probably Streets of Rage. That's like the series that sticks out to me. Is like, man, that series doesn't have any characters in this game? That's kind of weird. Um, but, I mean, I still think Mario Kart probably has the best control out of most kart racers. But I think the controls in Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed are as close to perfect as you're going to get. Uh, for their track design. Like, the acceleration feels appropriate, how long you drift is accounted for in the tracks, including to the point where the longer you drift, the larger boost you get. Um, and then there's controls for other types of vehicles. So you're not, like, the reason it's racing transformed isn't that you're, you're not just racing in cars, you're also racing in boats on water, and that feel, it feels right, and you're racing in planes in the sky. And, I mean, you know, the boats are probably the weakest of the vehicles, in my opinion. Um, but aside from really having a... Because, like, they only really have, like, a tighter drift um, compared to the cars. But beyond that, there's really not much difference. Um, but the planes are interesting. And, you know, of course, you have to, like... You get to, like, steer up and down and all around. And can do airborne tricks to gain boosts. And, like, I, I just find the, the, the plane very interesting. But at the same time, while I think... Uh, Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed is mechanically sound, and the characters are interesting, um, and the modes do, to an extent, give you an incentive to continue. I just, for whatever reason, can't force myself to pick up the game again. And that probably isn't the game's fault, it's probably more a circumstance of just having so much other stuff that I also just want to play. So it's, it's just unfortunate that a game has to fall into the wayside when it's still pretty sound, but lo and behold, I have other things that I want to play, and, you know, maybe maybe one day I will come back to, you know, Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed, so I certainly would not count it out, because it actually is, like, I mean, out of all the games I've talked about, I think it may well be the most mechanically sound. 
Oh, goodness. Um, so moving on, let's discuss Sonic Lost World. This is another game that I own uh, both the 3DS and uh, Wii U versions for. In fact, the 3DS version of Sonic Lost World is actually the first uh, Sonic game that I ever owned, which I know, like, what a what a way to start your experience with Sonic the Hedgehog, with Sonic Lost World. Like, no matter which um, version you talk about, the Wii U and PC version or the 3DS version, it seems like Sonic Lost World is considered one of the more mediocre titles in the series, and I would tend to agree. I don't think it's a great game, but I don't think it's, like, a terrible game. Like, I think the 4 out of 10 reviews it got were a little too harsh. It's probably closer to a, uh, a 6 or 7 at best. And I haven't even beaten either version, but they both have pretty unique problems. It's so like, the 3DS starts... The 3DS version to me starts pretty strong with, you know, like just some straightforward levels. They follow the cylindrical design that was the main idea of the game. And like the unique gravity mechanics were shown off um, prominently in the game's reveal. But as the game goes on, the levels keep getting longer and the mechanics get less and less like tight. Just as like it's just having simple levels where you just run to the end and... I mean, fortunately, by this point, Sonic seems to have outgrown, like, those flaws that I saw in the original Genesis games, um, and of course the, the, the 3DS version, uh, well, but I guess in the process, I should say, now more games have their own unique flaws, and Generations on the 3DS is no exception. Like, many others, I have not gotten past the, uh, the Sky World in... Uh, Sonic Lost World on the 3DS because the levels just keep getting so much longer and they're just more arduous to complete. And I would like to um, beat the 3DS version at some point because, um, you know, it, I'm so close, but I'll just I'll just kind of have to see what happens. It, with the levels just keep continuing to get longer, it just it, my motivation to keep playing continues to dip. And of course, I cannot talk about the 3DS version of Sonic Lost World without bringing up the special stages. Um, I mean, yeah, they returned in Sonic Heroes, um, but I don't own that game. Um, and I guess they have returned a couple of other times as well. But the special stages, in my opinion, don't get truly, absolutely insane um, until here. Like, there's a reason why one of the most famous bits from... Uh, reviews about this game, particularly um, uh, Johnny's review, is how bad the special stages in Lost World 3DS are. And like everything he said in that review holds up. You do indeed need to take your Nintendo 3DS and hold it up and twist it and turn it and move it at every single possible angle, trying to control Sonic in this like super weird 3D gyro space in hopes of obtaining a Chaos Emerald in the end. And even, you know, like, you do get Supersonic playable in regular levels again, but I just, I cannot foresee all of that, uh, stupid moving around to be worth it. And, you know, the, but then again, there's also the Wii U version and the PC version, and that version also has its own unique problems. Now, I admittedly have not gotten nearly as far in the Wii U version as I have in the 3DS version, um, but I have experienced many of the same issues that people bring up in other reviews of the game, 
Like, I actually don't think the parkour system is uh, implemented as poorly as some people would have you uh, would lead you to believe um, in that particular version of the game, but I also don't think it's an especially strong aspect of the game. Um, I think the cylindrical level design that's used is interesting in theory, um, but there's really not much reason to go off of the beaten path because, you know, when you have a cylindrical level, no matter what happens, you get to the when you start at one end of the cylinder, you're going to end up going to the same end on the opposite end no matter which path you take. So what does it matter if I go down the other path? Like, maybe there's going to be a collectible down there, but what reason do I have to go back down a different path another time when I play the level? So, you know, I'm just, I'm going to end, like, I'm just, I'm going to end up at the same end. So it just, it almost, it doesn't make sense, particularly because the reason that some people like Sonic is because the levels, um, are exploratory. Now, uh, there is a certain sub-series that has had some games in between here, but uh, I don't own any of them, and I'm talking about Sonic Boom here, so uh, apologies if you wanted me to talk about that, let alone the TV show, because uh, the cartoon's actually considered pretty good, um, but instead we're going to talk about what is considered a really, really good game, if not the best Sonic game in years, um, because for the 25th uh, anniversary of Sonic the Hedgehog, which I cannot believe is already five years ago, uh, Sega announced a game to celebrate the modern era and a game to celebrate the classic era, which uh, ended up being the much lauded Sonic Mania. And I would say that Sonic Mania is probably my favorite uh, classic style sort of game, especially with the um, uh, Plus expansion. Now that being said, uh, and this isn't any of the developers' faults, I would uh, say. Uh, it also has all of the trappings of the uh, classic games that I don't like. Uh, of course, my physics issue comes back, but the special stages, like if Blue Sphere isn't my favorite type of special stage, then I would say Mania special stages are my favorite. Um, for starters, I just, I love how different it is to truly have a 3D special stage, considering that's something you could barely do on the Sega Saturn. Um, I also really like that the team even went the whole nine yards and put the characters when they're in the special stages in their Saturn-era appearances. Um, but most importantly, the special stages don't feel impossible. You know, Sonic 1 special stages felt impossible. Sonic 2's with the half-pipe felt impossible. But these, uh, well, alongside Blue Sphere, these uh, Mania special stages where you just have to race behind this UFO carrying the Chaos Emerald feels really, really, like, truly doable, even if they do get pretty hard pretty quickly. Like, I feel like the more effort I put into these special stages, the greater chance I have of actually collecting all the Chaos Emeralds, and that is fantastic. And, I mean, you can't talk about Sonic Mania without talking about the presentation. That's actually something that I feel like I've kind of, uh, you know, not re reflecting upon uh, what I've talked about so far that I've kind of uh, neglected about with these games. Um, but Sonic Mania is truly a gorgeous game. And to me, it is what the theoretical Sonic game on the Saturn should have looked like, assuming that the Saturn would be able to put out something that looks as good um, as Sonic Mania, because the characters have more frames of animation, the shading on them is, like, spectacular, like, the areas where light comes down looks bright, but of course they have shadows under their chin, um, 
And then, of course, there's the music, too. If, there, if there's anything that would elevate a game to amazing status for me, it's just having a great soundtrack. And Sonic Mania does that as well. In fact, that's also something that I've kind of neglected about all of these games so far, is talking about the music. And the music is just is good in just about every single Sonic game. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't have more to say beyond that, but they're just, there's so many catchy tunes, whether you're talking Green Hill Zone, Chemical Plant Zone, uh... Angel Island Zone's a catchy song for Sonic 3. I uh, really like both of the soundtracks in Sonic CD. Of course, you have your Crush 40 songs in the Adventure Era. You know, I, I am even a che- uh, fan of the cheesy songs like your Escape from the Cities and your uh, um, Reach for the Stars and Sonic Colors. Um, even your less good games, I think, still have pretty catchy soundtracks as well. Um, but actually, you uh, go off of that tangent to like fill in that gap that I should have talked about earlier, let's uh, discuss uh, Sonic Mania's music. And I think T. Lopes, which is his actual name, T-E-E, and his team uh, created some of the most like funky, jazziest soundtrack sorts of uh, songs for Sonic. And, you know, it's just like I could listen to the new songs, like the ones for Press Garden and Studiopolis Zone, uh, for hours on end and still really not get sick of them because they're that catchy, um, which, uh, well, I don't know, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but I think I think you, you, you know what I mean. Um, I also like, I don't know if this is um, an idea from the Mania team or if this was an idea that from, like, the original Sonic team that they're like, we want to do this, um, but I actually really like how Sonic Mania tries to connect its story to Sonic Forces, which is, you know, the next game we'll be talking about. And I even like how the Plus expansion goes the extra mile and connects back to the ending of Sonic Forces. Um, because as, as you'll see in the true ending of Sonic Mania, uh, Sonic disappears in this portal. Um, and that's how we see classic Sonic end up in Sonic Forces. And then I like how in Sonic Forces we see classic Sonic disappear and inevitably show up from that same portal again at the start of Encore Mode in Sonic Mania Plus. And I haven't really touched Encore Mode, so I can't talk about the gameplay much there. Um, but I do think it is interesting um, to see this take on Sonic gameplay where instead of having lives, uh, you switch between the uh, uh, five characters. Um, but before I talk about, uh, the characters, like, I want to dive a, a little bit more into that story. Um, so Sonic Mania is about Dr. Eggman finding, uh, this jewel called the Phantom Ruby, uh, which allows him to make portals and just completely mess up time, and it makes Sonic, that's how, uh, Sonic travels between certain zones. Like, he gets from Green Hill instantly to Chemical Plant, um, because... Eggman uses the Phantom Ruby, and it's how he turns a bunch of egg robos into um, the, uh, oh my goodness, uh, the hard-boiled heavies is what they're called, the uh, uh, robots that would end up being the uh, uh, bosses for a lot of these zones throughout the game. And um, in uh, Sonic Forces, Eggman once again comes across the Phantom Ruby um, and tries to take over the world using it there as well. Um, including with his, uh, new, like, sort of Shadow 2.0 creature, Infinite, uh, which ended up being, uh, really a huge letdown. No 
shock there for me considering he's like a just a super edgy looking character uh but i digress uh but the point is at the end sonic sonic uh classic sonic goes through a, a phantom ruby portal into sonic forces and then at the end of sonic forces ends up back in mania plus to go through encore mode thanks to that same uh a uh, 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 portal uh now as i mentioned sonic mania plus comes with five characters we already have sonic tails and knuckles who i discussed already in um the sonic 3 and uh, knuckles portion of this uh conversation but now we get to play as mighty the armadillo and ray the flying squirrel um and you know i tell you ray is a character that i really want to like um because as i think uh, other people have described him pretty well it's basically just putting the cape feather from super mario world uh into a character and for that reason i really want to love ray um but because he's not in his ball form when he's you know flying like woo 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 um that means he still gets hit all the time and if it weren't for that then i'd probably like him um but mighty is more or less what i would consider the easy mode of the game um, and it's no wonder that Mighty is my favorite character to play as in Sonic Mania then, um, because his hard armadillo shell makes it so that you don't get hurt by spikes, at least as easily, and he has a ground pound move that lets him instantly go boom on the ground and defeat enemies. So I just, I feel more secure with that extra little bit of, of, um, protection. And honestly, I think the level design in, uh, Mania accomplishes what I think the Sonic CD game uh, team wanted to go for because the levels are expansive, but they're not confusing mazes. Um, like they, f like the levels feel larger, in the sense that of course they're on a wide screen display. Wow, I am missing syllables here and left and right. Uh, the levels feel larger because they are on a wide screen display, and they're certainly longer than what the Sega Genesis could have handled for a. Uh, Sonic level, but essentially, you know, it's it's the same song and dance. You keep moving to the right until you get to the end. Um, and unlike Sonic CD, you don't have to go around every little twist and turn imaginable to to, to, to to try to get there. So in short, Sonic Mania is fantastic, and you should still go and play it, even if I still have quibbles with it that I would find in just about any other Sonic game. Oh boy. Now we have to talk about Sonic Forces, and what is there to say about Sonic Forces that hasn't already been said? I mean, I guess I'll come out here and say that I don't think any review that claims the game is quote-unquote terrible or awful is fair, but I do think it would be fair to call Sonic Forces painfully mediocre. And, you know, I don't actually don't mind that Sonic Team wanted to go back and try a darker story again for Sonic since they haven't really done anything like that since the Adventure Days. Maybe uh, you could argue Sonic 06. But there's certainly a lot about the story that just doesn't add up. Of course, people talk about like that moment where it's like, oh, Sonic gets captured by Dr. Eggman and is in prison for like a long time. But you know, then Sonic gets out and he's just like totally nonchalant about the whole thing, even though we're supposed to be led to believe that it's like he's been tortured for months. And similarly, that we're supposed to, um, you know, Tails has supposedly gone crazy, but he just acts like the same normal Tails after he finds a classic Sonic. So, you know, and I just, I, I have a hard time buying that 
Dr. Eggman was able to take over 99% of the world just by capturing Sonic. Uh, because there are so many members of the cast uh, that have also helped take down Dr. Eggman. Like the fact, but so I just, I cannot believe that, you know, just capturing Sonic makes it so that Eggman is able to take over the world when there's no reason that Tails or Knuckles or even like Blaze the Cat would be unable to take down Eggman. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, I would just, you know, past events from those characters would just suggest that that's a stupid plot idea. And I would also contend that, like, others uh, think Classic Sonic was kind of shoehorned into the game. And for as much as I just praised it being neat to have this story connection between Sonic Mania and uh, Sonic Forces, there's really no good reason for Classic Sonic to in the game. And I actually think having Classic Sonic undermines the rest of the gameplay. And, you know, I'll, I'll critique how Classic Sonic plays in a moment, um, but I'm actually less critical on the Classic Sonic gameplay than many others are in Forces, but I would have rather seen more modern Sonic levels and more of the Avatar levels uh, in the game, or just, you know, have them have longer levels in place of all the classic Sonic, um, uh, levels. So, you know, it was like where the team perfected the physics for classic Sonic, at least in the Hedgehog engine in Sonic Colors, just, or not Colors, Sonic Generations, they just couldn't replicate it in the Hedgehog 2 engine for forces. So I just, I just, I don't get why they felt the need to bring the character in. You know, that like, there's no reason not to just have, like, hey, we can have a modern Sonic story with just the modern characters and have it be good. You know, you don't have to lean on classic Sonic to have a good game, is all I really want to say. And I just, as far as, like, the modern gameplay is concerned, I feel like Sonic Forces is a game that actually does exemplify that stereotype of the boost games being uh, hold right to win. Although in this case, of course, you know, 3D, you can go in all sorts of directions. Like, there's the level designs for modern Sonic are just so barren. Aside from, like, maybe a handful of jumps and maybe the occasional homing attack, Jane, you pretty much just get to boost the entire level and make it to the end. And, you know, of course, later levels do get more complex than that. There is some rail grinding along the way, but it just... It feels like the levels never reach their full potential. And, I mean, not to keep bringing them up, but I think, you know, Johnny reached, raises a good point, uh, in or raised a good point, I should say, in his review of uh, Sonic Forces when he says that it feels like by the time... Um, the level, like any modern Sonic level, reaches a good point where it's like, oh, now it's getting interesting. That's when the level ends. And, you know, I would describe it in the same way. And that's precisely why I think instead of having classic Sonic, it would have been better to just have more modern Sonic levels to truly test everything that you learned in that level. Um, and I don't know, I mean, again, like, the classic Sonic levels aren't that bad to me, or nearly, or, like, just as bad as other people make them sound, um, but I guess a lot of that could just come from the fact that I don't really love classic Sonic on the Genesis anyway, um, 
I mean, the gameplay certainly doesn't feel like classic Sonic because it's just not as fluid. I mean, I can understand why big fans of the Genesis games would be um, upset by that. And, I mean, they're upset rightfully so, since they should expect uh, the gameplay to feel similar to those Genesis games. But for me, that just means not having the same physics issues that I have in the Genesis games. So, you know, it's fine. Classic Sonic feels fine for me, but I still don't... I'm not convinced that it was a worthwhile um, addition. And then we get the Avatar character. So this is a brand new idea for Sonic Forces. And if you ask me, the idea is genius. I mean, after all, Sonic the Hedgehog is the series that is synonymous with the phrase, original character do not steal. Like, people have been making original Sonic characters for decades at this point. Uh, you know, like, one of my favorite games stars a set of characters that were at one point Sonic fan creations. So, you know, it was high time that after 25 years that Sega and Sonic team were like, huh, maybe there's some potential for this idea that we could have in an actual game. Um, now, no matter what, uh, having a character creator was going to be limited compared to the art that people can make. Um, but I actually think that uh, character editor is sufficient. Like, I wish there were more outfit options for the characters, and I really wish that they weren't unlocked throughout the game and instead were just all there at the start, um, because that really limits what your character can look like at the start of the game. And I also just kind of wish that there were more species for your avatar character, because there could have been more interesting power-ups for species that you might not initially think of. Um, I mean, like, an obvious one to me would be, like, a chameleon can sometimes run through character through enemies by going invisible. Um, but, you know, just, like, for what for what it is, I think it's just like, hey, that, this is a neat idea to make your own character. But to me, where the character, the avatar character falters isn't so much in the designs, it's that it was kind of destined to be a silent protagonist since not every avatar is going to behave, would not behave in the exact same way. And, you know, there's, the disappointing thing is that making the avatar not only be slower than Sonic, or, well, modern Sonic, it's also just the focus on wisp powers and a wisp gun. Now, I really didn't talk about the wisps in the Sonic Colors or Sonic Lost World uh, portions of this talk because they also appear in those games. And... But, uh, you know, and clearly they're appearing here with the, the, uh, the Wispon, uh, gun. Um, and I, I wanted to save it here because I think it, I can talk about it all at once. And it's just that the Wisps, I find, have a recurring issue that Sega just cannot decide what they should be used for. Like, in Sonic Colors, the Wisps had pretty consistent uses, and there was nothing, like, super-duper special about them. Uh, Sonic Colors, you know, they didn't do anything that required the game to be on Wii. And then, and it, because the Wisps, essentially, they just acted as, like, power-ups in a particular stage, whether it was lasering through diamond-shaped prisms or turning blue cubes into blue rings, whereas Sonic Lost World made a point of using the, the Wii U's gamepad, which obviously isn't the case for the PC version nor the 3DS version, um... In fact, the Wisps are very different in the 3DS version, uh, depending on the Wisp. But in the Wii U game, it kind of felt like a gimmick. Uh, like, the Laser Wisp acted the same as it did, like I just described. But then there was, like, the Red Eagle Wisp, where you had to, like, tilt the gamepad to, like, fly through a level. And that 
you know, that's just simply something that should not be uh, typically asked of a player. And, and I mean, I, I just, I kind of feel the same about gimmicks like that in general. You can include, like, the ball rolling in Super Mario Galaxy and the Fluzzard levels in Mario Galaxy 2 in that uh, critique as well, actually. Um, but Sonic Forces um, has the Wisps be both power-ups, um, and that they've also been, but also as um, ammo for the Avatar's guns? Like, each gun uses a different different type of wisp, but even if I needed, uh, like, the, the hover gun for a certain extra objective in a level, I would just stick with the burst wisp gun because that was the one I started with the game with. It's the one I felt most comfortable with, and it was more or less a flamethrower that just shot, like, a giant line of fire in front of me, so and that's all I really needed to take out em enemies, so... <clears throat> Like, the special power-up would let me use explosions to continually jump through the air, but there was really no reason I needed to have that, so it just kind of felt undercooked in the end. And I guess the last, like, major flaw in Sonic Forces that's important to point out is that some of this could be more acceptable if the game were longer. Like, genuinely, Sonic Forces is like a five-hour game, but it feels a lot longer because it's a bit of a slog. You know, it's a game that takes no time to beat, but yet that short amount of time is such a trudge that that little bit of time feels like a huge commitment. And ultimately, you know, especially coming off of Sonic Mania, that, that was not the game that Sega should have released. And now we have one final game to talk about uh, before moving on to uh, new conversations, and that's Team Sonic Racing. I know, what a great way to end this uh, retrospective on Sonic games with another racing game. And it's yet another game that I have touched uh, a little bit. But I think I've played enough to say, man, it's a disappointing game. Because, like, for starters, it's... Um, it's just frustrating to go from like the really solid game of Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed to Team Sonic Racing for multiple reasons. Of course, you know, you're limiting the cast now to just Sonic characters, and that's inherently less interesting than being able to play as other Sega characters that you might care about. I mean, yeah, Sonic is clearly Sega's cash cow, and it's, you know, like the major uh, franchise that most like regular people are going to be interested in um seeing in the game but so you know it's like I, I if i were some joe schmo i probably wouldn't be able to tell you anything about um bd joe from crazy taxi but that doesn't mean that limiting the characters to just sonic characters is necessarily a good idea uh, um and then the raw racing mechanic just kind of um devolve back to uh, what was present in Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing. And again, that game isn't bad, but it's also not as exciting as being able to transform your vehicle into a boat and being able to transform it into a plane and go through all these weird, wild, different sections. And while the idea of having three character teams, like in Sonic Heroes, sounds uh, for the racing sounds kind of interesting, um, and in fact, I do like playing team racing in like Mario Kart, uh, pretty frequently, uh, the idea just doesn't work as well here. Um, and honestly, I think I, a lot of that has to do with the fact that there are so many teams in 
one race. So in Mario Kart, you just have a blue team and a red team with six players each, or four players if it's only an eight-player game. Um, and that works because one color team has all players across all, like, the whole board. You know, you're pro it's very unlikely that all of the characters have all of their teams at the top of the pack or at the bottom of the pack. So there's still a chance that either team can turn the tide pretty easily and end up winning. But with only with four teams of three, like Team Sonic with Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles, if Sonic and Knuckles are like in the top four, but then Tails is toward the bottom in like 11th place, then you know another team that has all three of its characters toward the middle, like Amy, uh, Big the Cat, and like the Chow, I think is a team. You know, if they all place like fifth, sixth, seventh they're going to end up having a better score than Team Sonic will because Tails is so far at the bottom. And, you know, I just I think the biggest factor um, that holds Team Sonic Racing back, and of course Racing Transformed as well, um, at least for me, is just that I don't have any motivation to play online because there's no one playing online for sure on the Switch version of Team Sonic Racing. And of course the Wii U and 3DS versions of Racing Transformed are absolutely dead um and you know that alone is just a major reason why i want to see cross play become a big standard in online third-party games because if i can only rely on one um console audience to play online then a lot of games are going to become dead pretty quickly so that all covers my opinions on regular schmegular sonic and the fact that i've been going for two hours on that topic alone uh kind of shows how uh, long this series has been in existence and how many games are out there and how even missing so many games in like I didn't talk about hardly any side games in the Genesis era I missed almost the entire Dreamcast era and we're still here for an hour and 55 minutes but I just I have a little bit more and then we can uh, close out the Sonic 30th anniversary talk so, let's, so first, let's talk about our traditional what's next for uh, the topic here. And, you know, what? well, uh, we kind of know what's going to happen for Sonic thanks to Sonic Central. Like, I already talked about that in um, episode 9, which is our E3 special episode. But, like, the long and short of uh, what we know is coming next for Sonic is Sonic Origins, a new Sonic team game. Uh, Sonic Origins is just a collection of the... Uh, Genesis games, including 3 and Knuckles for the first time in years. Um, Sonic Colors Ultimate's probably going to be out by the time this uh, releases, uh, being a remake of the Wii version of Sonic Colors. Uh, of course, Sega's had a bunch of other major projects, whether it's Sonic Prime coming to Netflix by Wild Brain. Uh, but beyond that, I, I mean, I don't really know much about it. Um, by, by the time this releases, there may have been, like, an actual full-on trailer for the show. Um, otherwise, the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie is continuing production and appears to be going, interestingly, more in a Sonic 3 direction by including the uh, original trio of Sonic Tails and Knuckles. Uh, I actually just watched the first Sonic movie, and I thought it was pretty good, um, but I can, I can talk about that another time. 
Uh, of course, there's the IDW comic that's going to keep trucking along. I never really read, have read it or the Archie comic, um, but I see posts on these comics all the time, so they're like it must be like a huge thing. And really, I just I know I basically talked about this in like two minutes tops, but the future of the Sonic series is probably the least interesting future that I'm going to talk about in this entire series because, you know, no matter what, there's going to be new work for the Sonic franchise. Like, there's, I do not think that there will ever be a point where Sega just stops making Sonic content because it's always been their most popular thing. So, lo and behold, I, I, I don't have much worries that I will continue seeing Sonic games for the rest of my life. Um, including, in fact, uh, fan games. So this is a topic that I haven't talked about much here. Um, and it gets into our special topic for just the Sonic episode. What should the main Sonic games take from fan work? And I ask that this uh, because there's no game series, in my opinion, that is more ubiquitous with the phrase fan game than Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, we could look at like a greater breadth of fan work beyond video games, be it fan art or fan fiction. Um, but given that Sonic is first and foremost a video game, um, I figured that would be where we should focus this conversation. And of course, you know, some of these ideas are present in certain other official uh, real games. Uh, but I just I think they're so important that I want to highlight uh, them as ideas that, um, you know, many Sonic games could use. And in some ways, this conversation is harder to have, thanks to Sonic Mania in particular, um, because Sonic Mania is, like, essentially an official fan game, and it incorporates uh, ideas from many fan games already. Uh, but still, I went uh, the, the, the extra mile here and looked up a list of some uh, prominent uh, Sonic fan games and found a list from... Uh, the Gamer is actually one of the few lists of fan games I could find out there, um, but I generally don't find The Gamer to be a good source, uh, especially for videos, because I, I just find that they basically restate information um, that you can find pretty easily elsewhere or is common knowledge for um, their target audience. Um, but for this purpose, this list should probably work out fine. I basically went through to find footage of all of these games, since I have frankly not played much of most of any of them. Um, but I wanted to see what might make good additions to future Sonic titles from them. And so first I want to start with something that I can't believe the 2D games haven't had before, and that's wall jumping. Uh, and this is inspired by the first game on the list, Sonic XG. Um, and I saw Sonic actually do, like wall jumping off of walls there, and I realized, huh, that isn't a move in the classic style games, and even in Mania, uh, where it could have made levels more interesting in, from uh, just being a little more vertical. And it's also kind of weird because Sonic can wall jump in Super Smash Bros., and Sonic has had wall jump moves before, particularly in Sonic Unleashed. So I just I don't understand why um, Sega hasn't done more with it, especially in their 2D titles. Um, I want to see more characters, and of course, you can see that already in official games like Sonic 3, Sonic Adventure, Sonic Advance, um, Mania Plus, and of course, 
Uh, as far as fan games are concerned, Sonic Mega Mix. And this is pretty self-explanatory. You know, not only does it give you more unique aesthetic options, you just see, oh, someone other than the regular blue hedgehog I'm used to, um, but it also gives you more options gameplay-wise. And Sonic just has such a large cast that it's a shame that so many characters don't get used. And that isn't to say that every stage needs to have moments where it's like, oh, hey, that's clearly the, 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 the Knuckles bit of the stage. Um... But there's no reason why, when you have like such broadly similar characters, that they are not used. Like, why can I not play as Tails in Sonic Generations? It's as simple as making the characters control the same with like one or two special moves, and that's all they did in the Genesis era, and it was fine. I just, I don't understand why they wouldn't go for that. Um, Another idea that I thought about was it would be interesting to mix abilities from different eras, and we kind of see that in Sonic Generations 3DS already, with giving Classic Sonic the homing attack, uh, although the main reason it doesn't work there is just because now you have both Sonics with the homing attack, so how are you going to differentiate them much? Um, but a Genesis-style only game with the homing attack? That could be interesting. Um, I also cite the uh, fan game Sonic Time Twisted in this conversation um, because it incorporates some later moves like the Air Dash from the Boost Formula games. You know, like a, f a 3D game that actually does make it advantageous to roll into a ball instead of spin dashing could be interesting. And, it you know, it, it could be interesting to see, like, what would a, a modern Sonic game if you actually did have Tails following you throughout the game? Uh, another idea I had that could be interesting would be a Metroidvania-style world, um, and this is uh, inspired by Sonic Chrono Adventure, um, because the way that game builds its world is not too dissimilarly from Sonic CD in, um, in, in that Sonic CD builds its world um, by taking the same areas and looking at them in a different way by going from the past, present, and future. But instead of going back and forth in time, you're just adventuring along the cardinal directions. So you have like a north-facing area, an east-facing area, a west-facing area, area, and a south-facing area. Um, and instead of there being multiple levels everywhere that feeds uh, into each other, uh, I think it would be interesting to just have a giant Metroid or post-Symphony and a Night Castlevania-style giant world. And, I mean, to be fair, that's not something that I personally would want, but it could be an interesting experiment to see in a 2D Sonic game, or even a 3D Sonic game, if they went full, straight-up open world. Um, but that just takes care of most of the fan games. But what about... Uh, some games that are inspired by Sonic, like Freedom Planet and um, something like Spark the Electric Jester. Um, so for starters, both of those games started either as Sonic fan games, or in the case of Spark, uh, it was made by someone who made some prominent Sonic fan games. I believe, if I remember correctly, the creator of Spark the Electric Jester first made uh, Sonic before the sequel and Sonic after the sequel. And I would like to do a separate... Um, Freedom Planet review at a later date, but if the Sonic series is going to take anything from that game and Spark, it needs to take at least one of the two things that, in my opinion, makes Freedom Planet superior in my eyes. And I've harped on it so much. Enemies do not need to deal touch damage. 
Or the other option I'd see is just screw the Chaos Emeralds. They are not necessary, and neither are the special stages. But of course, I think the latter is unlikely, so I would at least settle for uh, Sonic having better designed special stages. Um, but I just, I think getting rid of touch damage and only being able to be attacked by, um, like, specifically conscious attacks by enemies would do a great deal of help for the Sonic series because, my goodness, it is real irritating to continue adventuring along and just to get stopped in your tracks by an enemy that you didn't know was coming. And as far as Spark is concerned, th I find this series a much tougher game, even though uh, to find inspiration from, although I'm sure Sega could find something. Um, like, because I don't want to just say that Sega should add Kirby-like elements to Sonic, um, because then they would just quite literally be ripping off Sparkly Electric Jester. But I am struggling with ideas. And I mean, there is also the sequel, which I have not picked up, um, that they could find ideas for um, a 3D game in. Um, but it seems like both games have pretty similar ideas. Um, speaking of which, there are actually quite a few games on the list that I thought had interesting ideas, but I wasn't sure how to incorporate. And they were mostly 3D games, like Sonic Utopia, Sonic World, and Green Hill Paradise Act 2. And it's frustrating that I had trouble with these because I wanted to find more ideas for the 3D games to incorporate. Like, you know, these are three just super different 3D Sonic fan games from each other. But they all have pretty good ideas, you know. Sonic Utopia is a giant world consisting of just Green Hill Zone that lets players run around, but there's no, like, real goal as far as I understand. Like, I mean, yeah, you can get to the end, but most of the game is just about exploring. And I think world design like we see in Utopia could work for a 3D Sonic game, um, but it would have to take more of a Super Mario 64 or Odyssey style of having multiple uh, objectives for Sonic to complete in the same level. Or I think the design would have to be a little bit more linear than what Utopia uses. Or if they just want to have it be to get to the end, or... Um, Sega would need to have to find a balance between the two uh, of trying to get players to the end of the level while also going off of the beaten path and rewarding it, but that's probably the hardest option. Um, I don't know. The game just makes you feel good at being, like, feeling like Sonic, and it'll just bring the 2D-style gameplay into 3D. Um, but beyond that, I don't. I, I just genuinely don't know what it can bring. It's an interesting experiment, but I just, I don't know if it can carry a full game. Um, and I have pretty similar feelings about Green Hill Paradise, though it incorporates some of the modern mechanics, uh, which I think a 3D game would need to keep. Of course, the homing attack would, is basically mandatory. And Sonic World is really the only game that I think strives for a return to the adventure style. And frankly, I just think the big lesson from that is that, um, you know, the adventure style of gameplay is worth trying again particularly the Sonic and Shadow style levels, even if it is just for, like, a throwback of some type in uh, a random uh, game here. Frankly, there's just a lot of ideas that Sega could take from fan games, if only because there are so many out there. Like, covering these games alone, to me, doesn't uh, do this topic justice, but I, I have to cut it off uh, somewhere, and, you know, that's not to mention that every fan of the series is going to have some strong opinions on how the game should be. So I can I can only give my 
uh, set of ideas. But lo and behold, we have finally made it to the end here. So um, that, I think, covers Sonic's 30th anniversary. I want to wish a very happy birthday to that blue blur. I am just recording this on, like, very close to the actual date that Sonic the Hedgehog released on the Genesis and Mega Drive originally. Um, so I guess at least my recording's going to be topical. <laughs> um, and, you know, normally I'd talk about truly how long this was, but it's a bit more challenging since I don't have my intro recorded yet. Um, but it has at least gone on, like, this episode for, like, two hours, so... Please, folks, do all of your typical sorts of engagement for this show. Depending on your platform, it could be an audio message on anchor.fm slash T-H-E-C-O-P. It could be leaving a comment on a video format show, or uh, the, the video format here. It could be uh, uh, giving a simple thumbs up. Um, but just please do that sort of thing. I look forward to our next release in the Creative Outlet birth uh, Gaming Birthday Extravaganza. This is Brandon Pudwill signing out, and thank you very much. <laughs>